All right, welcome back to Bullish, everyone. I am Sam Hardy. Joining me as always, we've got Nick Stanger. We've got producer Owen in the back. We are Stanger Family Office. For the past 42 years, it has been our mission to deliver both clarity and confidence to help secure your financial future. As Nick said, episode number 11. Excited to be here for that as well as excited to announce we're going to be putting the show out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well, so you'll be able to check it out there. It'll be posted in the same spot as the Nick Stanger show, so you, uh, be sure to listen to Nick's show. He's on, what, episode 136 at this point? Um, so, I mean, hard to believe. We're, we're a little ways from there, but that's great. Remember, everything we talk about here on Bullish is not individual stock advice. Past performance, not a guarantee of future results. Stanger Family Office and its clients may hold positions in some of the stocks discussed for full disclosure, visit StangerFamilyOffice.com. Nicholas. All right. Welcome back, buddy. How are you doing? I'm great. Back I can't believe Saturday. we're in December. Let's go. As Zach, yeah. as Zach would say, let's go. Yep. Shout out, Zach. Let's go. Let's go. We got uh, we got some good articles here. You know, I'm excited. Uh, some, some good stuff to talk about. Some nice charts. The L of the week. I mean, there's some serious detail going into L of the week this year or uh, this week. Not yeah, well, there's there's been a lot of bearish people, so it's going to provide lots of ammo for us. And again, we're not making fun of them, just just to put that out there. Obviously, no. we all make mistakes. We all say the wrong thing. But the only problem I have with a lot of the L's is, you know, these people have been bearish for 10 years in a row. And then once in a while, you know, about once every 10 years, they get it right. And then everybody's, you know, praising them and, and saying, look at how smart they are. And then they forgot for, forget about the other nine years where they missed it. So that's what we're calling out. Yeah. Well, usually you seem smarter if you're bearish and you get it right. But to your point, nobody remembers all the times that you got it wrong, especially because if you get it right, usually you hit it big. It's a it's a pretty big issue. So and by uh, the way, if your batting average was 100, well, actually, you'd be pretty you'd be a pretty decent baseball player. But let's just say it's under 100. Um, you'd be out of a job on Wall Street. If you're a strategist and you don't yeah. manage money and you go one for 10. Uh, apparently you get promoted. Yeah. So. Well, I know we talked about uh, Mike Wilson before. I was just, you know, reading something that he just came out. I think I sent you the the tweet, right, where he said that this is a, a bear market rally or a, a false a false rally. Which basically. he's been saying for three years. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he'll hit his one for 10. Yeah. So anyways, let's get into it here. Uh, Figured we couldn't do today's show without at least uh, remembering Charlie Munger. He was the vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's right-hand man, best friend through it all. So our condolences to his family, Berkshire Hathaway, um, you know, Warren especially, I know, is probably feeling it. He He's definitely put out some some uh, opinions on it all. But uh, just thinking of those guys, obviously, Munger will admit, and I, recently in one of his interviews, he talked about, uh, you know, not being uh, the reason that Warren Buffett was great. He would have been great outside of it. But, you know, Warren, you got a guy by your side for 50 years doing it. It makes a big difference. Well, so before Charlie was on the scene, Warren was buying really crappy companies for the most part not not solely yeah. but a lot the, of just, the cigar butt right yeah just a lot of okay companies that were on their last leg and he was hoping to turn them around and really buy deep value charlie's the guy who came in and said let's buy great companies at a reasonable price or even an okay price and just hold great companies for the long run and i think there's been other people that have pointed this out but without charlie they wouldn't have bought coca-cola they wouldn't have bought American Express, some of the most iconic brands this country's ever seen. Some of their Apple. best, best Apple's another good one. Um, I think recently, I think recent, I don't know if Charlie said it, but Warren definitely said he, you know, he kind of missed the boat there on on Amazon. <laughs> but you know, I think you, you win some, you lose some. They're definitely in the camp of having a high batting average. So, and that's what we say all the time. You know, these two guys between Charlie and Warren, mm -hmm. um, great batting average, great track record, but they actually manage money. So they have to produce results. They can't just be bearish for a hundred years and then have you, you know, still listen to them. These guys have produced a phenomenal track record. And what's really interesting about that is if you listen to Charlie, you listen to Warren, obviously they have their times so where they can be bearish or they can be, you know, a little bit worried about the short term, mm -hmm. but relentlessly optimistic. And I think yeah. I think that's why Charlie lived as long as he did. You know, he was had that optimistic attitude until the end and gave that last interview 
which yeah, was just phenomenal. a couple months ago. In reading this too, he went on his you know annual family vacation to Minnesota to their house up there. Did you, did you know he's he lived in the same house for seventy years? Wow, I didn't know that. Or had the same house in seventy years or for seventy years. So, I mean. The other thing, and speaking of batting average, it's not like these guys just did it for a little bit. Like they got in, they were doing, you know, they were at, on top for 30, 40 years and they got out and called it a day. Charlie was 99, Warren's 93. These guys have been doing it from the 60s, yep. since the 60s. You know, they were separate and they came together. I think it was in the 70s. So it's not like it's a batting average over a very short period. You've got a very wide range that they've been doing it and have, have you know, been people that everybody in the industry looks up to or at least respects. So, yeah, the secret with Berkshire, I mean, they made good returns the past 10 years, past 15 years, but a lot of that return came early, early on, which made the, the you know, made it look even better than it it's looked the past 10 years. And it hasn't looked bad at all the past 10 years, but they were buying these brands that just were iconic. And again, you know, I, I think you you have to be willing to, you know, pay up a little bit for a high quality company. So to Charlie's credit, I think really that that's his legacy is teaching all of us to not be afraid of a company, even if it has a 30 P, but it's got a great balance sheet. It's got great earnings. Don't be afraid of owning it. And we were talking about this the other day, that great quote where they were at the, I, I think I sent you the Berkshire yeah. annual meeting from the nineties or one of the nineties yeah. meetings. And somebody asked about EBITDA earnings before interest tax <laughs> depreciation and amortization. Charlie liked it, right? And Charlie goes, anything that is other than gap net income is BS earnings, <laughs> and he yeah. didn't say BS, and yeah, got a big, uh, got a big round of applause, and and I, you know, he just had such a wit about him, so he definitely, definitely a big loss for the investing community, and only a month before he turned a hundred, would have turned a hundred, so yeah, yeah, it was crazy, yeah, he was he was full of, he was kind of like the the guy Warren, Warren was he talked. You know, he would give like a five minute speech and then they'd ask Charlie any comments and either he'd have nothing or he'd throw out like they talk about it here in one of the the meetings. You know, Warren had this big 550 word speech prepared and Charlie throws out like one sentence at the end. You yeah. know, he was just he was full of those like quick one liners that were just impactful. He, he you know, he he didn't waste words. So, um, yeah, definitely a, a loss for all of us there. But I want to do that first chart now. Oh, are we chart? doing articles? Yeah, we're in articles. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, it's a new still, format. Still I, not adjusted to the format. You got huh? you got to you got to remind me of the format here. All okay. right, that's all right. All right, let's talk uh we're going to talk Black Friday here, Cyber Monday. So obviously, reason we pay attention to this, right? You're looking at the the health of the consumer and and seeing how people are doing. So Black Friday um was up 7.5%. We saw almost $10 billion in in revenue from Black Friday. And then if you look at Cyber Monday, uh that was even bigger. It had a basically a 10% increase with uh 12 billion, a little over 12 b uh, billion in revenue. So certainly, I mean, seven and a half, ten percent over the course of those those two days or that kind of five day window. Obviously, the consumer is not slowing down. Yeah. Yeah, this has been a big point of debate all year is when's when's the consumer going to run out of COVID cash? And I think there is still some COVID cash in the system for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's a little bit, but I don't think it's enough to to really move the needle. I, I just think consumers are just wanting to spend, you know, and my wife and I saw it the other night when we went out for dinner again. And we talk about this a lot. It's like, you know, sometimes some of the best <laughs> economic analysis you can do is just going out in the economy for yourself. And Peter mm -hmm. Lynch talked a lot about that in One Up on Wall Street. And it, it doesn't always work perfectly. And obviously that that's not a reason to buy a company just because people are out and about. But yeah. you do get the sense that this isn't the all out doomsday collapse that people are talking about. Um, I, I do get a little bit of boots on the ground of you know, hey, you know, things are slowing down a little bit. And I do think, you know, a family of five going to Panera costs nine ninety-five bucks now. Yeah. There's a there's a world where that is gonna have to come back a little bit. They're gonna have to slow down a little bit. Um, but the consumer isn't isn't pausing. You know, the consumer's just going going ahead and saying, you know what, gonna do what we're gonna do. We're gonna put stuff on credit. You're seeing credit card pick up just a little bit. I'm not concerned about it. But I do think the buy now, pay later thing is huge. People well, are they doing talked that about that bit. too. That that was a there was a huge jump in that, right? Like fifty percent, roughly, right? And people doing now. I think like for Black Friday of the ten billion, it was eighty 
80 million. So, you know, what is that? 8% of all purchases, but it was, you know, um, five, yeah. five and a half, uh, the, the year before. So certainly that's something to be paying attention to. Well, people are adjusting to the higher prices for the most part too, with cars. I, I, a couple of years ago when I would do a financial plan for somebody, we'd build in a car purchase every couple of years, yep. say $30,000, $40,000, right? That's a, that you could get pretty much any car you wanted four or five years ago for thirty to 40000 brand new car. Now I ask people, what do you need for a new car? And a lot of people are starting to say sixty, which was almost unheard of. Some people yeah. are saying seventy for a new trucks, maybe it's seventy-five or eighty. And people are just kind of adjusting to these higher prices because a lot of times their income's gone up, not all the time, but a lot of times their income's gone up too. So it's almost like, you know, talk about a new normal. World's back to normal, right? Everybody's traveling again. TSA had record travel. Did you see that, oh, that yeah. graph? Yeah, over Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, some of the best numbers they've ever seen. And on top of that, cruises are back, casinos are back, travel's back. People international are, travel was at a peak too. International travel's at a peak, yeah. but everything costs more and people just aren't slowing down. And, and you know, part of it too, and, and you have to understand also one of the big things with CPI that goes into that number is energy costs. So utilities costs, I've noticed, are coming down a little bit just in my month to month utility bills. Mm -hmm. Gas prices. Now, I'm not saying, you know, you know, thanks a lot, Joe Biden, for getting our gas prices down. They're still higher than they were three years ago. But economics. Yeah. But they are lower than they were last year. Yeah. Right. So instead of paying five bucks at the pump, maybe you're paying three fifty or four again. I was just in Baton Rouge and I think it's two twenty five or two fifteen a, a a gallon. So that's real savings, especially if you have a family of five. Well, there was I uh I got two uh two ninety eight up here. There's a, a spot Woodman's right okay. by where I go to church. Not Casey's? No, not Casey's. Okay. Wasn't looking for a breakfast pizza on top of filling up the tank. But they're I mean, Have they're basically like a Costco. Yet? No, I haven't. We gotta do that one of these. I days. did I told I sent you a text. We talked about the Casey's earnings. Yeah. And we went out to Galena. Yeah. And I stopped at a Casey's. But you didn't get the and pizza. I said, That's my one for the year. Okay. And I'll I'll probably come back next year sometime <laughs> and check it out. Well, there's a did you see the new Casey's in Warrenville? Yeah. I drive by it. Brand my new. parents are right live right around there. Brand new. Yeah, it looks nice. We gotta check it out. Maybe yeah, we'll, we'll drive over there. over there. No, I've got we're gonna talk about it. You know, it's a couple articles away, but there's one thing that we're talking about that we got to go actually do some boots on the ground. Maybe we'll do like a little like, uh, okay, we're here at, uh, but we can, you know, we can go, we got the donut selfie. We'll do like a full 360. We'll see go. how it goes. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see where it goes. I, I know some people obviously, and we, we get into this right with confirmation bias, the people who are bullish can go out there and find wh whatever they want for, for bullish, um, you know, from the bulls and same with bears and everything is like the end of the world. And I know people are talking about, well, I mean, that's great, but you know, it's probably just people who they're not going to spend it at the end of the year. They prepared for it. And oh, the warmer weather, people didn't buy, you know, warm winter clothes because of this mild fall that we're that's having. Are people so they're actually saying that. Yeah, I read I read like a couple things that talked about that's that. Ridiculous. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely slower than some of those covid years where we had the, you know, a lot of covid cash, but they still expect I think it's like nine hundred and fifty billion and above for November, December, which is like a three, three, four percent increase in holiday spend. So uh, something I mean, we'll definitely keep an eye on it. But obviously, yeah, 10, 12 percent through Black Friday, Cyber Monday was great. I mean, there's definitely a shift of what people are buying. You know, I think mm -hmm. the the craze to go towards Traegers, you know, if you bought a Traeger three, four years ago during COVID, you're yeah. probably not buying another one, you know. No. Uh, you bought a Peloton. You're probably using it as a coat hanger like we are right now. Um, you know, maybe you bought. You're telling me you don't we use it every morning. I, I hate Pelotoning. Is that yeah. a is that a verb? I don't know. We might have just created it. Whatever it is, I don't enjoy it. All right. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I, I don't have one, so I can't speak on it, but I'm not much of a bike person either. Yeah, it's. um. But, you know, a lot of those big purchases, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. Like if you bought a fridge yeah, two, three years ago, you're probably not buying another one. So I think it's shifted from these massive one-time purchases to 
okay, now it's kind of that regular shopping routine, but people got used to spending two, $3,000 a few years ago on whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Now they're just, I think, shifting at two or 3,000 from Traegers and grills and you know Pelotons and fridges and washing machines to just other things. Yeah. And I think that's a fair shout. I mean, we've seen part of the CPI coming down as well as durable goods. We've actually seen some deflationary things happening there where used car prices are not what they once were. I wish this had happened nine months ago when I had to buy another car, but you know, neither here nor there. It's it's, we'll just keep an eye on it. We'll see what happens, but I I think that's a a good take. We'll We'll see where we end up at the end of December. One thing you guys talked about in that, uh, that uh, family office panel, I just rewatched. It was really good. Um, it's on YouTube. Check it out. Little shout out. Yep. But um, one thing I pull it up. One thing I knew I heard Brandon say it, but I I heard it and it made a lot more sense now. Was he said there's just so much equity in people's houses that they can tap into, so they're refined. So they're saying like, how do I kind of consolidate some debt or how do I unlock some potential spending money? It's like, well, you bought your house for you know, $300,000 in 2019, now it's up 30, 40%, just naturally with the way the housing market is. Mm-hmm. And your interest rates, 3%, maybe your HELOC will be 9%, but that's still better than the credit card bill. So. Yeah. And yeah. And you got all that cash that you can take out. So, all right, let's, um, let's talk about how, you know, all this purchasing and everything is going to actually end up and how it gets there. Um, This was a interesting article. It kind of, it had, it kind of happened end of last year, but then it's continued to happen throughout this year where Amazon's now actually the the biggest delivery business in the U.S. Uh, US as far as uh, parcel volumes go. And so, um, you know, as far as packages, I think they're they said they're going to do five point nine billion this year, which is up from 5.2 and UPS has been sitting around 5.3. The most interesting thing, and we can, we'll look at this chart and maybe Owen, you can just uh, throw the screen up there real quick so people can see is as far as estimated parcel volumes go, you can see UPS kind of leveled out, FedEx kind of leveled out. In fact, they've even come down a little bit, but Amazon has just continued to grow, right? So um, definitely something to keep an eye on. Now they're mainly domestic, but I mean, UPS and FedEx, they didn't think, I doubt that they thought, you know, 10 years ago, eight, 10 years ago that Amazon would pose the threat that they do now. It's such a crazy example of creative destruction. And I, I love these examples and it's it's really painful in the, in the short term, obviously, you know, I'm not rooting for companies to go out of business or anything, no. but this is capitalism at its finest of one entrepreneur saying we can do things better. And then their supplier or their biggest vendor, I guess you would call UPS, they say, well, we can do this better and cut out the costs. And so they just completely displace UPS and FedEx. And Mm -hmm. I don't think it's crazy to assume that at one point in time, Amazon without antitrust regulation could just topple both of these companies. At some point, I'm sure, you know, the, the regulators step in and say, you can't, you know, you can't keep getting this big, right? It's a mono- yeah. it's a monopoly, right? Yeah. But Amazon's very good at what they do. I'm not saying UPS isn't good at what they do, but I think really what could push UPS off a cliff is that that you know, it, the the wages package they just passed. They're paying their drivers what? 175,000 a year. Not saying they don't deserve it, but I'm just saying if somebody can do it cheaper and they can do it better, it's going to displace those workers, you know. And and I think the same thing goes for UAW with the with the auto workers and GM popped on this news of the buyback, you know, they're going to maintain yeah. their dividend. They just, they're, they're letting these people work, what, three days a week or something, four days a week? Yeah, I think it was four days a week. And there was a, there was a couple other crazy things that they threw in there. You know, and, and, and so Wall Street goes through these moves where they basically do whatever the, the street's going to want for the next quarter. Yeah, it's up 24%. And they don't think anything about the long run. And that's the incentive structure with quarterly earnings, unfortunately, is they they want to beat for the next quarter. And if it's not a true entrepreneur running these companies, if it's just a hired hand CEO, which I would argue a lot of companies in the S&P have, mm-hmm. they're not really vested in it like an Elon Musk would be or a Mark Zuckerberg or a Jeff Bezos, the founder mentality. There's a Bain book about that. I don't know if you ever read it or not, but uh, Bain Consulting wrote a book called The Founder Mentality about how founder-run companies outperform hired hand 
hired hired gun companies, which makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense, right? Um, so the creative destruction is real. There's another good example of creative destruction as far as Tesla's concerned. And at some point, are we talking Tesla today? I don't think so, right? Uh, we're, we, we were talking Cybertrucks later. All right, I'll leave some of that for Cybertruck, but it was really interesting. I was thinking about Starlink. Yep. And Starlink could easily, 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 easily push Verizon and AT&T off a cliff. And there's a reason Verizon had, you know, Verizon's paying a 7% dividend now. It trades at a current price earnings ratio of eight. There's a reason for that. The stock's down 34% the past five years. Same thing with AT&T. Actually, AT&T is in a worse predicament. Just this year, AT&T is down another 11%. The past five, they're down 27 and they pay a 7% dividend. And, you know, obviously there's some dividend cuts going on. So I, I think what people don't understand is when you have a truly entrepreneurial company and a true leading cutting edge innovator, like a company run by Jeff Bezos, I know he's retired, but you know, he's still in the background and all that, but mm -hmm. regardless, people don't realize how quickly stuff can get displaced. So. No, I think that's good. And, and even they have a quote in here from the uh, ex CEO of FedEx, Fred Smith. And he's talking about the notion of Amazon becoming a threat to logistics giant as fantastical you know like it's a fantasy it would never happen that was seven years ago and then he goes in all likelihood primary deliverers of e-commerce shipments for the foreseeable future will be ups usps and fedex wow and amazon i mean fedex you know they passed up a couple years ago back in 2020 um so it, it only took four years from when he said that now they just passed ups last year usps is still at the top because usps kind of helps fill the gaps for all of them so it's hard to fill it but even ups and fedex somewhere in here they talk about they're using numbers where they don't actually like amazon 5.9 billion packages it started with amazon amazon will be the person leaving it at your door Mm -hmm. UPS is not always like that. They might pass it off to USPS, you know, somewhere in the process to do the final delivery. So it's, you know, it's just kind of crazy to think about that. And um, well, it gets into the whole compound uh, uh, success and and failure compound equally, you know, yeah. and it's like, like, you know how we always talk about the chart of growth at companies where yep. there's just little incremental growth in the first four or five years. And then you see that J curve and then all of a sudden it spikes yep. or the Nike swish, some people call it. And same thing happens. NVIDIA. Yeah, NVIDIA. It it same thing happens with failure too, or people going out of business where it's just like gradual, gradual, gradual. You know, it's like, how did mm -hmm. you go bankrupt? It's like slowly at first, and then all of a sudden, yeah. It's like gradual, 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 and then everything comes to a, a culmination point, and then you fall off a cliff. But that's literally I'm not saying FedEx and UPS are gonna fall off a cliff tomorrow. But this is the that's the inner workings of kind of what could what could happen. What was what was the trucking company that just went out of business? Yellow. Yellow. Yeah. And they were it's not like they had a small market cap no. before they went under. No. So, you know, I don't know. Going back to your Starlink conversation though, it will be interesting to see. I know T Mobile's actually paired up with them. They kind of have seen the writing on the wall to some extent. But it's I mean, it's kind of cool. I we have talked about the fact that he's also got absolute you know power because he's the one who controls the rockets getting shot up into space and then I, I don't think we talked about it on the show but we were talking about it during the week i i saw some tweet from unusual whales talking about well supposedly amazon's going to start shipping up satellites for their you know satellite internet so yeah. we'll see what happens well t-mobile took the approach of if we can't beat them join them yeah it's, but, it's, it's crazy smart. it's crazy though because you've got it's like, okay, you're on a set, you're talking on the phone. All of a sudden you hit a dead spot seamlessly picked up by satellite. Right. And it's, so it's like, you don't even drop. It's not like you drop the call. Then it switches to satellite. Then you got to call the person back. It's just like, it picks up whatever the strongest signal is. Yeah. So I, it'll be cool to see how that plays out. I think. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think, you know, Elon is so smart and, and there's people that hate him. I don't care. Hate him, love him. But you got to admit the guy's a modern day genius like he he's our generation's edison you know yeah. like the guy the guy is brilliant and and uh you know I, I think watching him going forward the next five years it's already been incredible the past 10 but the next five are going to be just insane and he's really given i think the next generation somebody to look up to you know and right or wrong look like put his politics on the side you can love him or hate him he used to be a democrat now he says he's a republican i don't know 
sometimes I think he's just trying to make some noise on on Twitter and get attention, and he's really good at doing that. Yeah. But the reality is, is this next generation, they're watching those rocket launches. They're ro- they're watching, and we're going to talk Cybertruck. Maybe you want to jump there right now, or yeah, jump let, there yeah, let's point. just yeah, let's talk let's talk Cybertruck. But I think people are are looking at Elon and saying, you know, this is this is truly inspirational. Yeah. Well, I mean, he he really is. He doesn't care. I mean, you heard what he said to people about pulling their advertising from X, right? He literally <laughs> called out Bob Iger on I the mean. stage. He and he definitely threw you know a couple things out. I can't say him on the show, but it's a kids show. Yeah, he he. Right, he producer Owen. Producer Owen in the house. We forgot to give him a shout out. No, I I shouted him out. Oh, did I, you? I said okay. producer right. Owen's here. Oh, okay. Producer and then Owen's I said. Here? Throw you know throw a chart up on the screen for us, please. <laughs> um, but no, I will. You know, to your point as well, where he's at, Starlink. We were listening to. I mentioned the guy last. Uh, still can't remember his last name, but I mentioned him on uh, last episode. Starlink is going to be you know a ten billion dollar company in a couple years, few years. So is SpaceX and all these. So he's like, okay, I've lost, but you know half half the value of mm-hmm. Twitter since I bought it. That's fine. It's it's been replaced in two years, and Twitter's more like a passion project for him. I I may be contrarian on this, but I do think at some point he'll IPO Twitter. Not that's not the contrarian point. A lot of people think that, but I actually think it'll be worth a lot more than he paid for it. I think it could I think it could be worth a hundred billion. He paid forty-four. And I think it could be worth a hundred. And the reason why is if you look at the model he's trying to go towards, he's trying to turn and now it's called X, but he's trying to turn it into a media platform. He's trying to yeah. turn it into a subscription-based platform where you can go and hear Tucker, you can go and hear Don Lemon, you can go and hear literally any well, and he's he's been open to both sides. It's not like he's sure. just trying to make it yeah you know, exactly what he wants it. He's like, I don't care. I just want it to be a free speech platform Yep. and love or hate any of the people that are coming on. It'll be interesting to see if uh, Rogan makes the move. Yeah. That's because his how long Spotify comes up pretty soon, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that that would be a big one. And we hey, know they're good friends. Twitter, if you want to give us a deal, uh, call us up. Six three zero nine one two. We've got to be. Uh, we've got to do the subscription model then. If if you know he's going to give us anything. Yeah. So the eight dollars a month or whatever <laughs> it is that you've got to got to pay to to get the blue check mark. But um, yeah. I mean, we'll see what happens with all the other companies. As far as Cybertruck goes, I don't know. I feel like it's a little controversial based on what some people have thought uh, initially. You know, it was going to be 2019 when he started talking about it. Yeah. Now you've had some of these other manufacturers come out with trucks since then. We talked about them last week. Their balance sheets are are taking a hit, or their their net income. They're yeah. just losing money on EVs, um, which we'll pull one of our charts up too because it's the price of used Teslas, which will be interesting to see because they've got the pricing power to adjust it, but. Um, I mean, this thing, say what you want about it. It is pretty cool. Bulletproof. Pretty yeah. 45, nine millimeter. It's pretty cool. Would, am I going to buy an all electric vehicle? No. Why not? Because I, I don't know. I like the sound of an engine and. Sounds like you hate the environment. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> for once, I don't, for once, I don't know what to say. All no, right. Cut. I, cut. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think uh, uh, electric electric motors are great, and yeah. they kind of they make up for some of the lag uh, on the front end of the internal combustion. And you can't, dude, you can't deny the performance, right? We we were talking about this last week. The top of the line Cybertruck, two point six second, zero to sixty. It raced a nine eleven. Now I don't know what spec of the nine eleven it was. It was I doubt it was a turbo S or no, it you was know. an off the lot like basic model. Yeah, but so it- but still, I mean, beat it in a beat it in a quarter mile while pulling the exact same car on the trailer. Yeah, you know, so it it's it's crazy to think about the power that it has there. Then it's bulletproof with the steel. They figured out how to make the glass more resistant after the initial flop of the uh france throwing the steel ball into <laughs> yeah. the into the window and it both of them shattering at the initial event right so i don't know i mean it's it's cool like would i want to buy one no but 
do I respect people who do? Sure. Well, he, look, Elon's a marketing genius. So it's a, that's to me, that's what it is. It's a marketing stunt. It's a cool truck, but, and they put a lot of engineering into it, but it's, it's a marketing stunt. Going back to the whole climate emissions, I actually thought Darren Woods, the CEO of ExxonMobil, had some really good things to say recently. And, oh, yeah. you know, what he did was he basically said, look, there's obviously, you know, we, we want to make the world cleaner. You know, none of us want to be like going to China and you walk out and you, you go for a run and it's smoking three packs of cigarettes. Yeah. You know, like nobody wants that. People have been masking up there long before COVID came around yes. and all that from the smog. Yes, that's exactly right. And but I really liked what he said. He said at the same time, we're not going to have a world where we can abandon fossil fuels. Like more people die from extreme cold every year in this world than extreme heat. Like if you can't, did you see Germany? The the thing in Germany? No, I think we we maybe maybe we talked about this briefly, but all the private jets that got frozen to the runway, there was the <laughs> it was in Munich, and they were all flying to the uh, air uh, UAE, and we're gonna talk uh, global warming summit, and none of them could leave because all their jets got frozen to the runway. So, anyways, it's just another continue. Darren yeah, Woods, I, he had some good comments. Yeah, I mean, finally, you know, and I guess you would say, oh, he's a, you know, he's a, he's an energy CEO. So what do you expect him to say? But it is true. I mean, he's he's operating within reality, and a lot of this is thanks to companies like Strive, right? Who we saw in New York, and they write the open letters and they say, listen, you know, we just want you to be excellent at what you do. Now, again, do we have to pollute into oblivion? to make the money we're making? No. What do we do in this country? We innovate. We have our top engineers on it. They work the problem. ExxonMobil's got this low carbon business that's growing. It's a small piece of what they do today. I don't know how viable it is long-term, but what I do know is that they have some of their smartest minds in the company on it. And some of them are our clients, PhDs and researchers and geologists yeah. and scientists. And and these people are going to work every single day with an eye on how do we make this a better world to live in, whatever that means. Well, and the reality is, and you brought Strive up, if they're not pulling it out of the ground and trying to do it in a way that's as 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 best for the environment and they give up these leases, who's picking it up? Yeah. PetroChina. Yep. And they don't care. They're going to get the 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 oil out of the ground as efficiently as they can, and they don't care about the the consequences of it, yeah. right? And I, I think that's where Darren and Elon come in with just the common sense of like, look, we are the best at what we do. Let us do it. Let us make this a let's let's get emissions down, but at the same time, let's deal with the fact that we still have a billion people in this world, maybe more, who don't have access to the same kind of lifestyle you know, that even the the average would be. So we need to pull them up to a, a better living standard. And the only way we're possibly going to do that is with energy. Like, like you're not going to get there on solar farms and, and, and wind farms and all the rest of it. You have to have gas and oil and gas. And at the same time, um, you know, I, I look at the LNG business at Exxon. I look at their, their, you know, the fact that we export that energy to China now is just absolutely incredible. There's nothing the Chinese would love more than to cut off our supply of U.S. crude going to them, but they have no choice. They're they're dealing with a billion people that are living under the poverty line, and even China knows that you have to have energy to to move forward and to have progress. Well, and this too, people forget about how mu how many things are byproducts. It's not like oh yeah, you stop taking oil out of the ground and then we just stop putting gas in cars. Right. Like I'm sure some of this, this has got rubber in it. You know, it's just, you get in and and I'm not as smart as the people who have figured all this out. Right. But you stop. Oh, taking, you're not. Well, I like to think I am sometimes, but I'll, I'll admit, I'll make a public admission that no, I am not as smart as some of the PhD petroleum mechanical engineers that <laughs> we work with. Um, they are much smarter than I am. Uh, but you know, I mean, you, yeah. Well, like, you don't you don't make a Tesla without oil. That's that's no, what people don't can. realize. Yeah. So yeah. so and both of them. I mean, Exxon with the Pioneer deal. You've got Chevron, who's you know another major making a move with Hess. And it's not like these are little deals. Sixty billion. Yeah. Fifty. What Hess was fifty four billion. So and we'll see where all that ends up at the end of the day. But they're 
clearly they're bullish on on the forward prospects of it. Yeah, I totally agree. Why don't we move on? Um, I know you got that cause. Why don't we? Why don't we just move on to the the next story you got there, Sam? Yeah, that sounds good. All right, Cosmics. This is you know this may be a little bit more local for now. Oh, T-Mobile just came up. They uh they heard us talking about it. <laughs> they threw it. <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg is yeah, always listening. Always. Okay. So Cosmics, this is the one where I'm saying maybe we go visit, you know, quick By the way, lunch. Business Insider went from Business Insider to Insider and back to Business Insider. That's probably a good, you know, sounds like a good uh, corporate move by them. Have you been following Dave Portnoy at all? Yeah. His little feud with uh, Business Insider? That I have not been following. Oh, it's fun. But he's got a lot of feuds and they are, they're all f- fun to follow. Uh, that might be the L of the week next week is Business Insider trying to go after Dave Portnoy, but we'll leave that for next week. All right. So this is this this can be a quick one. Cosmics, it's in Bolingbrook, Illinois. So if you're in the Chicagoland area, you can check it out. It's basically an offshoot of McDonald's and it's based off of, I think it was like a 1980s character. They look a little creepy if you pull up the image. I'm not going to do that in case we've got young listeners. But um kid show. Yeah, kid show exactly. But I we'll see what happens with it, right? It's kind of like they're talking about it. it's like Starbucks with the feel. You got a bigger drink, more adventurous kind of drink thing, kid-friendly stuff. Um less focus on food. You've got like a couple lunch options, breakfast all day, snacks, little bites. This one's right next to Is a McDonald's. McDonald's? Yeah. Really? Yeah. They were very they've been very quiet about it. It's been very sec- they've been very secretive about it. I don't want to make any early calls, but this may go to zero. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see what happens. This this could be as bad of a decision for McDonald's. Well, it's only one though. It's this is like oh, okay. this is like the one coming out. I think they're giving it a, maybe it's like Starbucks Reserve, you know, how they had which those turned out really well, I know. You had one they in did, Naperville. Right? Oh no, they shut it. Yeah. It's not open anymore. No. Yeah. Paying paying fifteen dollars to have a, a beer at Starbucks turned out to not be the best uh, you know. <laughs> no. I, I'm sure that I'm sure it hit in certain areas, but well, you, you would think it would hit in Naperville. The the Starbucks crowd is not a crowd that's going to have a late night beverage, let's just say. Mm-hmm. Their crowd, which is kind of cool, is just a bunch of people drinking coffee at like eight o'clock at night. It's kind of neat. Yeah. Now, not for everyone. I like a nice cappuccino at the end of dinner, just like anyone. Do I want to go to a Starbucks and pay ten dollars for that? Nope, not necessarily. But no. I may go to Cosmos, Cosmix, Cosmos. Do you Cosmix. drink? Do you drink Cosmos? Is that why you had that on the mind? Cosmos um, on the mind. But here's the thing. Um, look, this is obviously a recorded show, so you can roast me for this if I'm wrong, but this seems almost a, as bad of an idea as Comcast trying to change to Xfinity. It depends on how much money they put into it. Maybe it's kind of, but the this is the this is the issue that I think, and I don't disagree with you on this. Don't you think they'd maybe try and go like a little bit higher end with it? You know, like this looks like you could tack a, a play place, Ronald McDonald play place on the side of it. And you, you know, you'd still be able to go there, but maybe it's more kid friendly. I don't know. Kid show. But here's the thing. I think what we should do is, I think you're right. Let's take a trip. It's right down the road from us, and we'll we'll give it a score. All right. Yeah, we'll check it out. Maybe maybe what we do is film a little segment of us going there, and then producer Owen cuts it into uh, into the show. Yeah. As long as I can come. He said, as long as he can join us. So cool. We All can right. we can do that. All right. Let's you move on to the charts here. Um, okay. First one, this is, as I mentioned previously, we're looking at the average price of a used Tesla, which, I mean, if you were buying it at the end of 2022, um, sorry. Sorry, Austin. Yeah. No, Austin Austin got his, um, when did he get his? He got he ordered his like middle of 21. So yeah, he's he did still okay. down, he did but okay. he's not as bad as, you know, people buying the same car, you know, the same car has basically lost 50% of its value. A lot of people point to this chart and they'll say, look at how dumb Elon is. He had to reduce the price of the Tesla. I actually think the opposite. I think this was a brilliant strategy on their part because the right when the whole UAW thing started mm-hmm. and what did Ford say? They said that like all their losses are coming from EVs and they don't know if it's sustainable long term. Uh, quarterly, it was like 1.3 billion. Right. And then same thing with GM. GM was one and a half billion losses. Have they announced they're going to stop EV production? Uh, They haven't said that they were going to stop it, but they definitely said that they were going to pull back. Ford did. Ford said. Ford's 1.3 billion was legit only their EV segment. 
GMs one and a half, they don't segment it out, but um so here's here's what uh insidevs.com it says after posting a 1.3 billion dollar loss in Q3, Ford's Model E EV unit said it would cut Mustang Mach-E production and delay a b- battery plant. Yeah. So it's not working. So I think actually on Elon's part pretty darn smart plan and he struck right when they were hurting right when they were in the middle of negotiations yeah. and it's not like like people don't realize how these strikes work like you go on strike it's not like they come back and then the next day you're back to full production like you lost whatever number of months you had with people protesting right mm-hmm. so they're already three to six months probably longer now a year behind I don't know if it was a year, but de- I mean, definitely. Well, behind. right. And they were coming off all the supply chain issues previously, not to mention it's a new business. Like we talked about Tesla. Yeah. They, it's not like Tesla just like hit it and then did great right from the get go. They struggled for a long time building all this out. And then, um, which Elon did say on, on Joe Rogan's show, he said the easiest part is design to design a car, the hardest part is to produce it. Yeah, like to actually go through the manufacturing and assembly and all and that. And then you had the Gigafactory, and that had delays, which delayed the capacity that they could get stuff out on. But I mean, to your point with Elon, the prices going down like this, you are trying to take away market share from your competitors. So they're slashing prices to get more competitive. And what happens when those competitors can't compete anymore? And they can't, if they're losing that much money and just, you know, draining reserves, what's what's going to happen? They're going to keep, they're already starting to shut production down, yeah. right? And so yep. once that happens, maybe you, you know, you start bumping the price back up and people who bought at the highs, you know, get a little bit back. I mean, still, it kind of hurts for people buying at 70 grand and now it's worth 40, but um Something to keep an eye on. None of this show is investment advice, obviously, but I really feel that there's a canary in the coal mine for GM. This is a Reuters article, or as Sam would say, Reuters. Reuters. Um, here, here's the Reuters. quote. So GM, which has vowed to sell, stop selling gas-powered vehicles by 2035, last month said it was abandoning a goal of building 400,000 EVs from 2022 through mid-2024. So- Try and put those two statements together and have it make sense. We're going to be 100% EV by 2035, but now for the next two years, we're not going to build any EVs or at least 400,000 of them. doesn't make any sense. So either they're talking out of both sides of their mouth and telling the politicians what they want to hear. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah. Or maybe they're, uh, you know, maybe they're just, Maybe it's going to make them bankrupt. I think if they tried to go 100% EV, it'll bankrupt them. All right. Let's move on to the next one. This was posted by uh, JC Parrots. Uh, Strategist gloomy about the prospects for the stock market going into 2023. So this is what everybody kind of estimated back in December of 22, what this year would look like. And that's what, like down one and a half, two percent was the projected annual change for the S&P. And we're up about 20. So, uh, of down 18. Yeah. So it, that's, I mean, it's, it's almost, it's basically flat on the year. Same with the Qs. Ca- cash has actually outperformed the past two years. Yeah. Bonds have done terribly as expected. Cash has done well. And stocks have basically been flat to up, depending on which stocks you bought, large caps. Yeah. 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 This is, but that's where people say they're like, Nick, how could the market be up this much? And how come the bottom stocks, like haven't caught up with the top. And I think it's simply the fact that they're they're more tied to interest rate sensitivity. You know, and the 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 you know the fact that the Fed has raised rates, people said, oh, it's not affecting the market. No, it is. Like if you take out this top 10 stocks, it's dramatically affected the market the past couple of years. But then look at the past two years. Values actually outperformed growth the past two years, whatever you want to call that. Because obviously now the value index is heavy with Microsoft and Apple and even Facebook, believe it yeah. or not. Um, but they but, had a great year last year, and then they've lagged this year. Correct? Well, and also values come off of absolute horrible returns the past five years. If you pull up Invesco Pure Value or the S&P 500 Pure Value Index, price return up 28% the past five years versus, let me pull up growth. 
same exact index, pure growth, up 49%. So you go back to, let's just say, and I, I might I, I might have gotten this stat just slightly wrong, but if you go back to December of 2021, pure value is down 3% price return. Pure growth in the same time frame, so end of 2021. Now, you have to remember, massive base effect, but down 25%. Value down 3% the past you know, since December of 2021, growth down over 25%. So the the reality that, or people saying that stocks have not reacted to higher interest rates, is just not true at all. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely something to, to keep an eye on. And, and again, everybody wants to talk about that, uh, <clears throat> you know, this year's, oh, it's unbelievable and it doesn't make sense. And, but you forget, uh, we were talking about it a couple months ago. Charlie uh, Bolello, he put out a couple things, and I got to make sure I'm pronouncing his name right. But uh, sounds right. Yeah, it's a, ask Bond. If He'll you know. if you Bond will definitely not know. <laughs> shout out, shout out Bond Roth. If he not, if he doesn't know, we're joking about him. He knows first names, but he struggles with last names. Yeah. So yes, he sometimes he does. So, um, but like you look at the top eight, the grade eight. They all did terribly last year. Yeah. And now they've rebounded this year and they've they're up more than they were down. But you know, you still look and it's not like they've had these crazy returns this year they have, but they struggled big time last year. Well, it gets into it gets into JC's bigger point, which is there's not exuberance in the market like people think. Yeah. If you know what I mean by that. So it's 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 yes, stocks are up this year, but they're not up relative to the past two years. So all no. we've done is done this forward-looking rally to say interest rates should come down a year from now, two years, three years from now. And I think that's really where the market's at. I hope interest rates come down next year. But even if they don't and we have a correction next year, we get rate cuts in 2025. I think we can all agree on that. We can definitely agree that by 2026, interest rates are lower. Well, I was thinking we we, we can talk about that on, on next week's episode because- this just the over the weekend and Friday, there was a ton of stuff coming out on when people think uh, rate cuts are going to be priced in now. So that maybe we go in mo uh, more in depth uh, on that next week too. Yeah. And, and, and just to put a ribbon on that, I mean, it's just my point with it. And I think JC's point is the market's not behaving irrationally at all right now. It's doing exactly what it should. It priced in higher rates two years ago, and now it's pricing in lower rates today. And so the fact that people sat out and did not get in the market, they didn't get invested the past two years, or they bought long-term bonds, it's your own fault. Sorry to tell you. I mean, it's your own fault. This is how the market works. It trades in advance. And if it's rates- It's a forward-looking instrument. It's a forward-looking indicator. Now, people will say to me, they'll say, Nick, maybe you should buy long-term bonds because you think rates are going to go down. That's just not a bet I'm willing to take with with client safe money. you know. But I don't yeah. disagree with the math there. No. And these next two charts kind of get into that too. Um, this is, look, I mean, S&P, best November gains on record. Uh, this was as of the second to last day of trading. I think it ended up 9.1% on the month. But I mean, look at that. Going back, that's back till to 1928. Uh, seven times it's been November's performed that well. So this is like number you know, five on the list maybe, but still we're looking at almost a hundred years. We're looking at 95 years of economic data up 9.1%. So um, that's going to bring me, unless you have a comment on that, that'll bring me to my next point. And no, that is total money market fund assets. Look at how much that's grown. Okay. But is this cash that used to be just regular old bank deposit and now it's going it's to money going market? In, it, or is this coming out of equities and going to money market? That I'm not sure on. That's a good question. Maybe I'll do some research on it, but it it still took our meme of the week though. <laughs> with the uh if you can't see, we've got the crying Jordan on a bear's face for people who stayed out of the market. Think I mean, think about it. and we've we talked about this on the last episode. You miss a month, you miss a week, and it can make all the difference in your long-term, you know, returns. Maybe we do get a correction next year. I know you don't necessarily think that's going to happen. No, but I think we'll get a correction. I don't know if we'll get a recession. Yeah. Okay. So we'll see a slight pullback. Yeah. Not Maybe not to the levels that we see in like a recession, but no, we, I, might, I, we he, might see a pullback. 
but you just missed out on 9%. Yeah, the the average correction in an intra-year. So with any, any given year, no matter how good the year ends up, about a 15% correction. And then when that correction happens, it's going to be all the bears saying, we told you so. Yep. We told you to sell. We told you the things were bad. Yeah. And then you're going to say, well, wait a second. We're correcting from 52 or 5,300 on the S&P. So going from 5,300 to 4,400 or 4,500, guess when you could have bought the S&P at 44 or 4,500? A month ago. A month ago. Guess what? When I when I came out with Bye Bye Baby and, and yeah. everyone's bearish, the market was like 4,200 points. So you could have been buying that whole time. The bears always use that little correction and they're going to say, told you so. But in reality, you would have been better off just buying and holding. Yeah. All right. So let's, we'll go uh, last one here. This is something we've talked about that kind of, it's almost like it went away for a little bit and now it's started rearing its head again with all the the talk about rates. And I know uh, Powell came out, our favorite Fed chair, Jay Powell came out last week and he was a little hawkish. Brilliant Fed chair. Um, yeah, the best. Uh, and his counterpart, Yellen, uh, on the other side, outstanding. Uh, we love you, Janet Yellen. You're great. Yeah, you're amazing. Anyways, back to the point of this no, conversation. No mistakes were made. No, none at all. Um, yeah, and uh, okay, I, I'm I'm getting my my thoughts back here. I we <laughs> sorry, were we were sorry. joking. Yeah, he threw me off my game. Okay, unrealized losses on investment securities. So this is banks, um, where basically what happened was they bought the long term debt. Rates went up. They had massive losses in the bonds. Rather than marking it to market, they mark them as held to maturity securities, and then they don't have to put the losses on their balance sheets. So it's almost like they don't exist, but they do. I don't really have a problem with that. But it's just something to keep an eye. I mean, look how drastic that is. Yeah. I mean, Bank of Bank of America is the, the biggest culprit, right? What was it $650 billion? It's pretty bad. Yeah. And then Schwab's got some. Yep. Morgan's got some. I look at Morgan's balance sheet the other week. Pretty much all of them, except for yeah. J.P. Morgan. Yeah, J.P. Morgan's, Morgan's really the only one that kind of has has done a really good job at at managing that. Well, but we look even regionals. We look at it, and they made this mistake. J.P. Morgan basically didn't make a lot of the loans during COVID that they easily could have said, "Let's do the loan at two and a half percent," or you got two point eight five or something. You know, there's yeah. a lot of that. Bank of America saw that and said, "Well, we'll take the loan." And now they're paying the price for it. Does it take them out? I don't know, but I think it. I think it really just slows the stock price down. So you know, you just, when you go and buy a financial, and this is where we've argued for asset selection, careful security selection with with banks, is just to say there's a huge difference between Bank of America and J.P. Morgan, and you better know that before you buy one for the long run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like anything, right? Identify the sector. Not every company there's a great company. And you just got to be careful, especially the price that you buy them at. So, and value traps. That's definitely something we've talked about on the financial financial front. So, um, all right, let's let's jump to um, our L of the week. This is an interesting one. It's not necessarily like a bear who made a wrong call. We went. I went a little off script here with this one, but this is about a guy, and we'll let you determine on who you think lost in this. Netflix definitely lost. We'll see how this guy ends up. But this is uh, Carl Rinch. He's a producer. Netflix hires him in 2018 uh, to produce a show. Give him like a $55 million budget. We're a couple years in. Netflix hasn't seen anything. They've given him 44. They throw in an extra $11 million. So let's just say this. Netflix at the end of the day, out $55 million. Now, <laughs> will they be able to claw some back? Let's let's wait and see. So they they definitely took an L on this. Now let's get to Carl, Mr. Wrench here. This guy took ten and a half of the eleven million dollars he was given. He put six million almost immediately into options on biomed, biotech companies. Lost it all in a matter of a month on uh, on trading options. But he's so, not a. Is he? Does he have a financial background or? No, he's a he's a producer and not even a good one. The the one thing that he he created like did okay. We talked about get, this. You get, get one flop. Five million. Well, because it was the boom and they were just trying to get shows out. Right. Oh, this was back during like twenty twenty. Yeah, the, uh, oh, getting okay. getting into it where oh, they kind of they okay. really but they really started pushing and you saw these battles. So that happens. 
So he does the next logical thing. He takes the remaining four million that he took and he puts it into Dogecoin. Have you seen what he turned it into? Four million. <laughs> Wait, how much did he put in? Four million into Dogecoin. And what happened with it? It went to twenty-seven million. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. So now Netflix is like give us our money what back. what happened? Yeah. And he's well, we signed a contract and he gave yeah. me the money. Now there's not even been a show produced. <laughs> so yeah, that's well, why that's why Netflix is definitely, but this guy why didn't he produce the show? Did the did the article say why? He the whole the first three or four pages just talk about the fact he was kind of a little off his rocker and he had some personal issues at home. I think he had some other things happening. Basically, he's now dealing with the, uh, you know, the consequences of this with Netflix as well as he's in the middle of a divorce. And now he's got all these assets that he didn't have before. And you want to know what he took the money? One of the first things he bought. You can well guess a house. Nope. Car. Five Rolls Royces and a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> that was so. That's why. That's why I said we're leaving it up to the listeners. Netflix definitely took an L on this one, but this is a classic example of just terrible risk management. Yeah, I can't believe that. I mean, that just goes to show you Netflix just had stupid amounts of money, did not care at all. Fifty-five million was a rounding error. They're like, yeah, try it out. Yeah, <laughs> Let's see what happens. And then I guarantee you, they're not doing that anymore. No. But he basically, but I, think I have he tried Netflix. To like if rewrite. you're listening, I have a very good show idea for you. Hear me oh, out. Let's hear this. I haven't heard this. If one you want to fly me out to California, I I can't tell you it right now. I want the 55 million wire to me first. <laughs> but I will. I will produce the oh, show. Wait, no, you you have told me about this. That's <laughs> a great idea. Yeah, you guys should definitely take them up on that offer. I actually was a co-writer on that as well. <laughs> so I'll take a ticket too. It's called Bullish, the movie. Yeah. All right. Let's uh Just this for six hours. Oh gosh. <laughs> I don't I don't know how well that would do in theaters. <laughs> well, I guess it's Netflix. It's at home. Maybe people will sit there and just mindlessly watch us for six hours. Can I get the name of the person who wrote him the fifty five million dollar check? Um I'd we like can, their we can I'd talk. like their phone number if you know. We'll we'll talk about this off uh off camera. You know, I got a guy. I can All hook right. you up. All right. Let's uh let's finish up here with uh going to zero and going to the moon. Uh for me, <clears throat> by the way, you told me last week or two episodes ago when I said I had the documents that I really didn't have the documents and that was correct. So today I have done the work. I do have the documents. Wow. I'm I'm glad to see that you fully prepared. I am prepared. I love that. Um not as prepared as you, but I am prepared. All right, that's fair. I'll I'll take that. No uh, one prepares I'll like take that little shout out. Yeah, we uh maybe a little bit too much, but we I mean we kind of brought them up last week, but Walgreens, uh, I mean just an absolute disaster, right? Five year on the stock down seventy five percent. We looked at uh it's trading at its lowest level since two thousand eight. We looked at the balance sheet the other Is day. That true, they had like yeah, they had like uh seven hundred and thirty million in uh cash and then eleven in marketable securities, which was like a third of what they had a year ago at this time. So. If you do the math, they I mean they've got two hundred and forty thousand employees and they're sitting with seven hundred and forty million in like cash that they can they can find really quick. Many, I'm obviously going to zero on this one. How many employees? Two hundred and thirty eight thousand. They just laid off five percent of their corporate workforce, but you know, they've got like eight thousand locations. So that's only two hundred and sixty seven people, I think it was. So that you said they had how much cash? Seven fifty? Bit roughly, yeah. Seven forty. All right, so let's say the average payroll is about ten point eight billion for a year. So they're paying about nine hundred million a month in payroll. Yeah, so they don't even have enough cash. How do how do uh, they even make payroll? Well, that's I don't know. Maybe they really got rid of some some people in the layoffs, the corporate layoffs. Wow. Um none of this is stock advice, but I do agree this is probably going to zero. Yeah. So I mean they got hit. Part of the problem was too, and we saw Rite Aid go out of business. They filed for bankruptcy and they've been closing a lot of stores and they're restructuring. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this too, right? That's probably what happens. They file for bankruptcy. They do a restructuring. They close down a bunch of stores. They've still got 8,000 and they're kind of like a household name to some extent. I've got three within a five minute drive of my house, but there's definitely some issues there. They had to pay out like $6 billion. On the, the opioid, opioid yeah. 
So definitely something to keep an eye on with them. I'm surprised this thing hasn't gotten hit even worse. Yeah. Well, I mean, but it's just been it's been doing poorly for so long. And they they're they've got that new healthcare segment that they're doing, which was still not profitable. I was looking at the the balance sheet again. I think they were down like three hundred million this past quarter on that particular segment. Now they had some acquisitions in there that make up for part of that uh, loss, right? A, a good amount of it. But I mean, if that doesn't work out, where's the cash coming from? Why isn't Walgreens just buy this thing for ten billion? Maybe that's what they're gonna do. This is Walgreens. I'm sorry, Amazon. Yeah. Amazon I was, could I was confused there. I'm like, why doesn't Walgreens just buy Walgreens? That makes <laughs> no, this makes perfect sense. If only Nick. Walgreens could buy Walgreens, we would be in good shape. Yeah. No, but, but but maybe I mean Amazon really has gone towards that super retail heavy model. I mean, maybe maybe they're just banking on, you know, they're gonna go under and then we'll buy the the leases for twenty five cents on the dollar or something. Kind of like the whole T Mobile Sprint thing or Radio Shack or whatever. Yeah. Wait for it to get so bad. Yeah. That there just will take anything. Well, somebody was talking about that same thing. I think it was Patrick Bet David on his podcast how Apple is potentially waiting for Disney to get cut in half again. And then that's when they would be interested. Well, even Bob uh, Iger sees the writing on the wall. He was out there the other day. It was the same conference that Elon was at talking about it. Right. Um, but he, he doesn't want to stay longer than he's contractually obligated to. I think it's 25, 26 is when he's done. So another two, three years and he's he's trying to get out of there. Him coming back to Disney was just that was that was just bad. Yeah, for, I mean, on his part. I mean, I wish him the best and all that, but you know, look, I'm sure they compensated him pretty well. To oh, bring I'm him sure, back. but it just it, it's a stain on his legacy for sure. Yeah. So, all right, what do we got here for you? All right, I've got a little Arista Networks. That's their IPO from I believe it was 2015 is when they went live, and then 2018 they were added to the S and P 500. These guys compete with Cisco primarily. They okay. do secure networking. They do switches. They do some hardware, but it's obviously they're they're trying to be a very service heavy business, which is great for shareholders. Um, they had a really interesting chart here. So this is some of their stuff. I don't know if we can see that there in the camera. <laughs> here, we'll just we'll just right here. <laughs> Switch it to that camera. Hey, I prepared. Now I'm not as maybe technologically and you, advanced. And you really care about the environment too. Because you just printed off how many how many pages was this twenty pages? Okay, well, listen, I, I, I'm just putting you on blast. You got the documents; it's fine. I hit I hit the wrong button on the printer. It came out in color. You're right. All right. I'll, okay. I'll, anyway, so I'll let you. Sorry, I'll let you get back to it. Okay, but the main thing is their share of the high speed data centers and the switching, basically the switches of how how do you get certain networks to the right places. Yep. Not a tech expert. So I'm sure that sounded really, really dumb if you are a tech expert, but uh, their share compared to Cisco has been climbing and Cisco's has been falling all the way back to 2012. Their stock, yep. in my opinion, it's not dramatically undervalued. So I do think you could see some downward pressure in the short run of trying to figure out what the right price for their earnings is. But getting into the earnings, their earnings are incredibly strong. So they just came out with third quarter earnings back on October 30th. We're looking at revenue of $1.5 billion, just over $1.5 billion. Gross margins of 63% almost, which is obviously fantastic, especially mm -hmm. when you're in that tech space. And we got a $1.72 in earnings. So on a go-forward basis, roughly we're looking at trading this thing for around 30 times earnings, which is not dramatically overvalued. I think you'd agree with that. A lot of companies that are are growing a lot slower that are valued well over that. So mm -hmm. um, again, probably could see some downward pressure in the short run, but I think long run, uh, Arista is a, a really interesting story. And about 1.3 billion of that 1.5 is from products. So making the switches and, and the hardware and all that, but their service business is about 223, let me give you the right number here, about 233 million, 223 million, which is a, 
So is by service business, is this kind of like web services? Like we think Amazon, like AWS, like that kind cybersecurity, of cybersecurity managed, yeah, okay. managed monitoring, things like that. That business was up about 33% year over year. Okay. So I'm, I'm bullish on it. Um, I haven't just full disclosure. I haven't bought it yet. I'm still kind of looking for, for the right entry point here, but definitely on the watch list. Um, it's going to pretty soon hit the watch list for client portfolios as well, just as a, a uh, potential opportunity for us. So we'll be watching it closely. Great. Well, we'll, uh, we'll see where that one goes. I'm sure you're going to buy a share so we can track it. <laughs> yeah. We'll buy a share, maybe buy a share of Walgreens. Well, I wouldn't it, do that. Fastest way to lose Fast. $20. <laughs> buy a share of Walgreens. We'll buy a share of Walgreens. Yeah. No, you can. So, all right. Well, uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Again, uh, folks, appreciate you listening in. Uh, please make sure you're subscribing, sharing. Again, it's going to be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, if you prefer to listen to it there. And on Spotify, you can do the video too, if if you want to uh, see us over here. And I, I use a lot of hand motions, you know, which is fun. Uh, it's all fun here. So uh, we, we have faces for radio. So yeah, um, you yeah. may be better off listening. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's a good one. But if you would like to learn more about Sanger Family Office, you can visit the website, request a starter kit, uh, give us a call 630-912-8431, starter accounts to get started with us. Remember, it's just 10 bucks a year in fees if, if you really want to uh, start a conversation. So we appreciate you all listening. Subscribe. Hope you have a wonderful week, holiday season, and we'll see you next week. And subscribe. Yeah, and subscribe.